Can you guys hear me okay? Uh, can the Zoom guys hear me? And if you ask a question, can you be heard? I can hear you pretty good. All right. I'm going to turn up their volume here in just a minute in case they have a question. Um, well, thanks again for being here this morning. I have a couple of quick announcements, and I'm probably going to forget some now and make them at the end. Um, number one, um, we are very lucky, and I feel very fortunate to say we are back in person for Christmas concerts. And um, last night, uh, we were having rehearsals until, I don't know, it's close to nine o'clock. And um, the choir, we didn't know how many people would be able to be back in the choir. And so Michael Cromwell, who's I still think of as our new choir director, mm -hmm. you know, when he was picking out this Christmas concert, he shared this last night. He said, well, I, I don't know how many people are going to be able to be here to be able to prepare all this music. He stepped out on faith and he picked a bunch of new music that is non-trivial. Now, should, you should never tell people the music's hard. They should be able to see that on your face when you're doing it. But uh, last night as we were singing through this the program for the very first time in the order that we're going to perform it, it became clear to us all that, well, we're, we were glad we have another set of rehearsals next week. Um, there is a little bit of Latin. I just want to warn you, there's some Latin in the Christmas concert. But it's words like Gloria and in Excelsis. It's nothing, and there will not be. I know there's a rumor out there that there will be a test at the end of the concert. <laughs> there's not a test in the concert. The only test is how much, how many tickets do you need? <laughs> now, I have two kinds of tickets. It's important that you know because I'll make a mistake later. The red tickets, the red writing with the well, red and black, those are Friday night tickets at 7:30. The green tickets are Sunday afternoon at three o'clock. Now, not this weekend, it's next weekend. So that is the 10th and the 12th. Uh, I'm happy to hand you these tickets today. Uh, you do not need to, this is meant to be kind of an invitational uh, business card. You, you have one ticket and you wanna ring a whole table full of people, that's probably gonna be okay. At the three o'clock on Sunday, there's a chance you might get to try out the balcony. There's a chance. And so I am really excited, as you can tell, about the possibility that we will fill up the church and we will make some beautiful music. It's us. It's the it's Atlanta Wind Symphony, Georgia Philharmonic. Georgia. Georgia Phil. So it's both full choir, full organ, and full orchestra. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be exciting. And we get uh, we'll hear all of it for the first time next week in our rehearsal. And you will get to hear it on Friday at 7.30 and Sunday at 3 o'clock. Um, so, brand new organ sound. So we do have, there hasn't been a major upgrade to our organ. I can't tell you anything more about that. You need to come either on a Sunday morning, anytime at 11.15, or to the concert. And Tom will be happy to tell you about his new Christmas present that he got late last month. Um and there have been some exciting events that have gone on whenever you, the number of wires, does anybody want to guess about the number of wires between the organ console and the organ itself? Four, did you say four? 1,500. Now, Mitchell is probably wrong only because his number is too low. So for next month, I will bring a picture of what the wiring closet looks like for the organ. And we will all be amazed that it works as well as it does as often as it does, because it's incredible what they've done. Well, this morning I have the privilege of introducing a speaker who's not from RUMC. And for next year, I'm going to try and alternate off. 
somebody who, who is traditionally at RUMC, maybe somebody who's from outside of RUMC, because I think we have so much to learn from what's going on in other churches and other organizations in the Roswell community. Um, and so this morning, uh, Shane is going to be with us. I met Shane because Rusty Gordon said, hey, this guy's doing something on a Friday morning and he needs a place to do it. Can you help him out? And I said, well, sure, let me talk to him. And we finally met after the high-tech breakfast. Was that last month or October? And uh, we got talking. And so I'm excited to hear Shane's journey and a little bit about a program that he's involved with. And this front table, this apparently is the head table, right? Like at a wedding, it's the head table. Um, and uh, that are all affiliated with Grace at Work. So if you have questions about Grace at Work later, not only can you ask Shane, but you can ask one of these guys too. And they would be happy to probably tell you a little bit more. So Shane, I'm going to read here, which I never do. Um, he hosts a Grace at Work, which is a professional's Bible study. That doesn't mean he's a professional Bible study. It means it's for people who are at work. I think is how to read that. It means it's 7 a.m. on Fridays and told me they don't have bacon. I'm just, I don't know what the deal is. Um, but he is an active member of the Atlanta Technology and Information Security Community and is helping organizations build and certify cybersecurity programs. Now, I'm in the healthcare IT space, and so Shane and I start talking in acronyms that make certain that no one else understands what we're talking about. But if you have a ransomware problem, Shane would be happy to talk to you about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe? Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, I wasn't here for that. Um, his wife uh, is Sarah, and they have been married for 16 years. They have two girls ages 13 and 10, teenage girls, boy, boy, oh boy, you have a lot to look forward to. Um, he lives in Marietta, Georgia, and calls Liberty Church in Marietta his church home. So uh, give it up this morning for Shane. Thanks for being here. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm not used to talking behind a podium, so forgive me if I start wandering around, especially you guys. Uh, so Eric, just asked me to come speak. He didn't really tell me to do a topic. I asked Rusty what to talk about. He said, just get up there and talk about yourself. I said, I'm good at that. So <laughs> um, I tried to prepare a really formal talk for you guys. I crumbled it up and threw it away last night. So I'm just going to be honest with you guys about my walk with Christ and how I got here, where I am today. What I'm, um, so I'll start at the beginning, just to tell you my story. I grew up in Northwest Georgia and Ackworth and Cartersville, which now that's, you know, pretty grown up. But back when I was a kid, as you guys know, that was a thing in Ackworth. And we used to affectionately refer to Ackworth as Crackle and Meth Top Mountain instead of Red Top Mountain. It was a drug-ridden area to grow up in. So growing up, I lived in this double-wide trailer. And we were surrounded by people of every race and color, but they were all very poor and struggling. And so my entire childhood, I just wanted to get out. You know, that was all I ever cared about. And I watched my parents struggle financially as a kid. And I kind of developed this attitude of, hey, man, I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and get out of town as quick. But there wasn't really anybody around to help me do that. So over time, I just worked and I worked and I worked and I tried to get the best grades I could in high school. I uh, went off to Kennesaw State afterwards. I didn't even really know what college was, to be honest. I remember driving down 75 past North Metro Tech. And I actually thought North Metro Tech was Georgia Tech because of the word tech. I didn't even know the difference. I didn't know what college was. 
But I was like, I want to go to North Metro Tech because I thought it was like Georgia Tech. And then eventually uh, some college recruiter in high school tapped me on the so shoulder and said, you don't want to go to North Metro Tech if you want to call it like a, a four-year university degree. And so I got pointed to KSU and I went there and I worked really hard in college. And I really honestly developed an ego. I developed this attitude that everything was anything that I accomplished in life was because of what I had done. And for a time that worked out, you know, I, I come out of school and then uh, I was waiting tables at Longhorn Steakhouse up there in Cartersville. And uh, I met this beautiful girl waiting tables named Sarah. And honestly, Sarah was the prettiest girl I'd ever dated up to that point in my life. Um, still don't know why she dated me really like way out of my league girl. And uh, I really, if I'm being honest, I rushed into marriage because I was afraid of it. And so I, I sold myself to her as this guy that was going places. She kind of grew up in a similar situation as me. I think she said, hey, this guy's going to get out of town to marry him. And so we get married and we're two people that just want to get out of town. And fast forward a few years, I'm just living the life that every red-blooded American is trying to live, I'm trying to get the house, the cars, the job. I eventually land at Accenture, and I'm a consultant traveling the world, doing great things, getting promoted. And then um, one day, and it was probably a little bit after uh, Halloween in 2014, my wife unexpectedly kicked me out of the house. She just said, you got to go. You're gone. And I, at that point, we had been married. We've been married a while, nine years. So somehow nine years, I got this career. I got the house. We did get out of town. We moved down the streets of Marietta, uh, which feels like light years away when you're from a small town in West Georgia. And I, I was just sitting there like dumbfounded. So we got the house. We got the cars. We did that point. My uh, daughters, Lainey and Darcy, they were still real little up to then. But, you know, kicked me out of the house. And I just said, okay, this is temporary. And I went to live in a uh, friend's basement. And so I'm still doing the job thing. I'm trying to fix our marriage. I'm trying to go to marriage counseling. She's just not having any of it. She is done with me. And then eventually I find out about three or four weeks into living in someone else's basement that she's moved on. Like she's literally like on to the next thing, looking for the next relationship. I'm done. And I find myself drafting divorce pay. And at that point, I was really kind of confronted. Like, Shoot, what is life all about? Because everything I worked so hard for, everything that I thought I wanted to achieve, it was literally going to evaporate. Like the lawyer made it really clear. It's not really a good thing to be a divorced guy with kids. Like you're given all that money you cared about, gone. That house you cared about, gone. And you, oh yeah, and you get to see your kids once every other weekend and every other holiday. So that's what you're really entitled to the law. And there's not much that changes when you're a dad if the mom isn't willing to work with you. So, you know, just to get to the point quick, I'm living in this basement and my wife has left. I draft these divorce papers and I am, uh, I'm at the lowest. I mean, I'm, I'm just empty at this point and I'm really questioning what it is that I thought life was all about. And I was so arrogant and I wasn't physically abusive, but I was definitely a verbally abusive guy. It's angry. I was driven. I'm hyper type A guy. And I remember one night uh, I had this old friend from college, this guy named Josh McCracken, who I had not talked to for years, just show up out of my life very, very unexpectedly. And uh, he just said, hey, man, why don't you just go to church for me? 
and I was like, I don't know. And it was a Sunday night. And I remember I was like sitting there in the basement and I was literally juggling between, am I going to go to Walmart and eat a $5 foot lawn at Subway? Or am I going to go to the Liberty Church? Or not Liberty. Uh, that was Freedom Church in Ackworth. Freedom Church, Sunday night service. Like, all right, man, I'll go to, I'll go to Freedom. And so I go and I don't even remember the pastors. I don't remember what they spoke on, but he said something in that service that just kind of pricked my heart. And um, so I go back live in this basement a few more days, maybe it was another week, and I decided, you know what, I'm just going home. If we're getting divorced anyway, why am I sleeping? So I go back home, and my wife doesn't want me. It's very obvious she doesn't want me there, and it's very uncomfortable, and it stinks really bad. And I just keep trying to mend this marriage, and it just won't go anywhere. And the more I learn about her situation, the worse it gets, you know, and the worse it's looking for me. And then uh, finally, I give in, and I signed the divorce papers and I put them down on my desk and I go, Sarah, there's the divorce papers. When you're ready, just sign. And I think to her, it just got really real all of a sudden because she realized, wait, he's just giving in. Like she had this idea that there was going to be this big drag out war. And I was like, no, I'm just classic divorce, split everything. You get the kids, you get the child support, you know, whatever. And uh, so that night, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I was probably feeling as close to wanting to actually commit suicide than I ever had. And I know people go through divorces all the time. And maybe maybe other people feel that way too, and they don't want to admit it. Or maybe I'm being a little extreme, or maybe I just felt it harder than normal. But I really just was like, what am I like? What is, is this really life? And then suddenly I realized I was the most average red-blooded American that the house, car, career. And if you have ever hung around with consultants, especially consultants that travel, that's their story. That's all these guys. And I don't mean to be derogatory or put down that those kind of people, but that is like what have I I've experienced, and it it hurt because I just become a cliche. So I can tell this great story: kid from the trailer park, drag himself out of the poor. Now I got this big job title and all these responsibilities, just like everybody. So good for me. and uh, so at night. I, uh, I didn't know God. I was, if I'm being honest, I was an atheist. I was an intellectual atheist, kind of like a Sam Harris type, you know, like too smart for religion, kind of laugh at Christians. And it wasn't even like I was a militant or angry atheist. It was just too smart for my own good. I just didn't believe in a personal God. Maybe there's this deist God out there. Maybe, maybe science can't explain away the Big Bang theory and there's something out there. But I certainly didn't believe in a personal God at Jesus or anything else related. To that. But that night I kind of gave in and I asked Sarah, I said, can we just sleep in the bed together as a married couple one more? Because those papers are looming on that, that corner of that desk. And I knew she was going to sign and we just didn't know when. And she said, uh, yeah, sure. So we get in the bed and it's like being in the bed with your sister. Like she is on the <laughs> corner. Like she is like, she's like, ooh, cooties, I don't want to <laughs> laying on the end of the bed and here i am back to her laying on the other side of the bed and i just i remembered that pastor at um freedom church I, and i just said uh lord if you are real if there is something out there i just want to get through this like i don't want i don't want to be so depressed that i can't even, i don't want to feel such a burden that i can't even get up and go to work without just feeling sick all day and uh so I just went to bed and then I woke up the next morning and uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. I just felt normal. 
I didn't feel great. The world wasn't awesome. I wasn't happy. None of my problems, but I got up and I just felt normal. And so I just started going on about my life. And shortly thereafter, this guy named, uh, well, no, I, my friend Josh, sorry, I called him up. And I just started going to Freedom Church over there in Agworth. It's off Highway 41, if you guys are over the area. And I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. I'm not nothing. I'm just going to church. And for some reason, those marriage papers, those divorce papers sat on the corner of that desk for one week, two weeks, three weeks, and then four weeks. And they didn't move. I didn't touch them. I was kind of afraid of them. They're like my kryptonite. Like, I just didn't want to be around them. But she didn't sign them. And things at home were still terrible, but we kind of stopped arguing. And I'm just going to church. I'm going to church. I'm going to church. And it wasn't because, like, you know, God's working some miraculous thing in my life, and he's changing things before my eyes, and miracles happening. I was going to church because literally it was the only thing I knew to do. Just to keep myself busy, put a positive influence. And uh, going to church, going to work, going to church, going to work. I started going to marriage counseling. I started going to anger counseling. I started going to couples counseling that my wife didn't show up to. I just sit there alone and pay the bill and go home. But then eventually, um, eventually something would kind of work up in me. And I started to come around. And I think my wife started to see that. And this went on for a long time. It went on for like 10 months. And then uh, this guy named Carl Becker who is, uh, he's an entrepreneur in the Atlanta community. And uh, he, I met him through a friend and he said, hey, will you come to this high-tech prayer breakfast with me? So if you fast forward now, we're like in October next year, uh, 2015, I go to this high-tech prayer breakfast. And afterwards, there's this brace of work stuff that they advertise. And this guy, uh, they have these little cards you fill out. And they said, oh, there's one at this company called HAW. And HAW was a competitor to the place I was working at the time. And I go, well, I'll go in there and just network. It'll be a great business networking opportunity. So I show up and there's these uh, two, Curtis Kane and um, Susan O'Dwyer were their names and they were the study leader. And I come in there and I just start lobbing grenades. At Every hard atheist intellectual question you got to just throw. And I swear they were like Cirque du Soleil acrobats. I mean, they were just, <laughs> just like, I mean, just with such tact and love. And if any of you know who Kurt Kane is, he's such an intellectual himself. I mean, he really is almost like a C.S. Lewis type of guy. And he won me over. He won me over because I realized I was in this room full of people that were business and they were smarter than me and more successful than me. And I was so humbled. And that's actually what I filled the front table here with it today. These guys just were, they were everything that I wanted to be, but that I wasn't and that I could never be in my, and, um, you know, so eventually after about a year that my wife started going to church with me, we're still going to Freedom Church. At the, and I remember, um, I don't remember the exact date, but I had started to grow really close to Christ. And it wasn't instant for me. A lot of people can say I was saved on December 4th at 12, 15 p.m. and 20, whatever. Uh, that's not been me. My, my journey has been more like this gradually building up a trust and getting humbled, building up more trust, getting humbled again. It's been really kind of a a growth experience until finally I'm just like, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. He is my Savior. But I remember my wife, it was very different. We were sitting at Liberty Church, Sunday night service again. And my life changed when she looked at me in the middle of this song. It had just ended and she looked at me and she said, I think I just got saved. And I was just like, 
my heart exploded. It was just like it imploded in on itself. And uh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Don't need to apologize. Um, and it was just that it was so amazing. Like I, I couldn't believe it that not only had not only had God taken me from self-destruction, my family was on the verge of being destroyed, and suddenly my life just accepted Christ right before my eyes. And uh, that was so miraculous because if you knew my wife, uh, she would she would admit to you. I won't tell you her baggage. She can tell. You. Uh, she would tell you she was one of the most rebellious women on Facebook. She was just as broken and angry and uh, separated from God as I. I mean, we were we were like you know Bonnie and Clyde. And um, so suddenly, you know, we're at this point in the story. We're probably we're towards the end of you know 2015, and suddenly we have our family. So marching forward, you know, over the last five years, I've continued just on this journey with Grace at Work. Eventually, we changed churches, and I'd end up at Liberty up the street through that guy, Carl Becker, I told you guys about. And uh, life has been just renewed through Jesus Christ. And especially, I love Grace at Work. I mean, I came here to tell you guys about that, because what I've learned is there are other people. There are other people who I would never have thought were good enough, or people that I thought were too smart, or people that are way too successful to ever be dumb enough to be a Christian. Like, that was my old way of thinking, that are all in for Christ. There's a big vibrant, you've just got to go find them and give them a place to come. And then through that, we're able to find other people that are struggling or searching or people that are hurting. I mean, one of our biggest draws are people that are out of work doing the network and career opportunity. I'm like, if you don't have a job, get in a Grace at Work group every Friday, because that is the best place to meet people and network. But you're going to network with people that love you and that, that truly do want something better. And um, so that's been our journey. And I, I went to that study with Kurt and uh, Susan for four years until Kurt finally just retired, moved on. And then we started our own study that was kind of the, the successor to it. And we've been doing it for about two years now, two years. So that that's my story. And I have a, I actually have a few Bible verses I wanted to share with you. Um, one of the books of the Bible that resonate with me most is uh, 1 Peter. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, well, let me give you a little context in case you're just not aware of that book off the top of your head. In 1 Peter, we're dealing with this community of Christians in northern Turkey, modern-day northern Turkey, who are really persecuted, feeling a lot of heat for their faith and who they are. And Peter says, look, you need to persist in your oppression you need to persist through your behavior and how you act like your walk has to be testimony and especially to those that are, those that oppress you or those that are your overlords or whatever you want to call them your testimony is how you react and how you behave and then in chapter three peter starts talking about the relationship between the husband and wife he's talking about a wife that is married to a man that is not a christian and that through her obedience and submission to her husband she can win him over but the verse that really gets me is after peter really gives the ladies a good paragraph of instruction it gives us guys but those two sentences are pretty heavy so first peter 3 verse 7 says husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner showing them honor as co-heirs the grace of life so that your prayers will not be the, the thing that really gets me there is where he says, so that your prayers will not, 
I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time coming before the Lord and praying to him if my conscience isn't clear. There can be anything I'm like, and I just feel separation. And so when I hear Peter, and you know, Paul echoes the same thing like it is. When I hear Peter say that you need to form a relationship with your wife and treat her in such a way that your prayers are not hidden, that is such a burden to live, live out a, an example and live out a love for her that is like Christ's love for me. And so when I think of that, it, it just tells me I need to be infinitely patient. I need to be loving. I need to understand her. I need to know her. I need to get in her head and understand her point of views and care about those more than my own. And I need to care about her well-being more than my own. So that's really become my my new challenge because I struggle with that every day. Every week. I mean, I'm a hyper type A guy. My wife is a hyper type B gal. We couldn't be as different if we want. And so I've just, I've really laid, I was laid on my heart to tell you guys that I encourage you just to do the same with your wives because I nearly lost my wife. And I'm so thankful that I have her. I'm so thankful to Christ, to Jesus, that he was able to heal and pull my marriage together and really save my family and hopefully save my daughters because I pray for their salvation every day. And so that that's my story. Sorry, I didn't have a good landing, but. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. So Shane has just lived out a big part of his life in a vulnerable and transparent way. He only knew five guys before he got up. Thanks for being in late. I'm sorry to point you out, but you're with these guys too. Yeah. Uh, he's willing to take questions. I want to say something that's, if, if something like this has not happened to you, it may have happened to your son. It may have happened to your son-in-law. You've just seen somebody, uh, you know, reveal something that has shaped their life and, and their connection to God in a profound way. Do you have questions? Okay. I think you mentioned you had two scriptures. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> the second was uh, James 1, verse 22. <clears throat> so, yeah, this is a, a logical follow-up to that first about how to love your wives. Uh, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who deliver. Uh, I really love the book of James because... James was kind of a, uh, he's just kind of a to the point, don't sugarcoat it kind of guy. He wasn't afraid to walk up in the stomach and tell you that you're tripping. And I really love that. I love the accountability of the book of James, but I love Peter too. I mean, those are two of my favorite because uh, first Peter is just so full of love, but it's so real. Like he doesn't sugarcoat that the world is hard, especially for, but he tells us to submit, but don't submit because you're a coward submit because that's your example because that's your you know and um and i love that he, he points out that we have this freedom in christ but don't use that freedom to our benefit use that freedom to win over others and uh, it, it's similar like sorry i'm not a bible scholar i'm a total layman but in first corinthians i believe paul says the same thing he, he became the jew to win the entire i love those verses and, and i carry that out like really with my wife i i was talking about how we're such extreme type A, type B. I can't become a type B. I just cook myself. It's just not <laughs> even. But I try. Uh, I really try. And to me, that's where that, that verse in James makes sense. Yeah, be doers of the word and not, not merely, merely hearers who delude themselves. I love that. Hearers who delude themselves. That's classic. <clears throat> Don't delude. Yeah, sorry. Long answer to short question. Thanks. Yeah. What's the structure of it? It's intercompassing. 
No, no, it's not. It is so uh, Grace at Work, we're unified under high tech. So we have a common creed, I guess. You know, like we have, we have, we're unified in our belief, which is probably not dissimilar to like what the Methodist church would say, but it's non-denominational. And it's just a, it's a, it's kind of a Socratic method style Bible study. So I'll come up with a topic and then I'll just form a ton of questions. There's no preaching, there's no lecturing, and we'll read scripture and we ask questions and people of all different walks of life get in these studies and they just start talking. So it's meets it it's one big group yeah yeah it's not groups all over marietta and camp no there are so if you go to the high tech ministries website uh there is a link to bible studies and they're all over metro atlanta i don't know how many we have now. Okay. We have maybe 20. what if you're loaded <laughs> <laughs> i mean we... you're welcome <laughs> i'll give you my my take and then i'll give you high tech my take is anybody is welcome at the study. I don't care. I don't care if you're a real estate or if you're, you know, a doctor or whatever. Even but high tech ministries, we do try to focus on the information technology community, just with the hopes that we all have something in common together. But our study is wants to walk up. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And male and female, young or old, any generation, creed, whatever, any background. We've had people that were that were definitely not Christians. And sometimes that goes well. And sometimes they, you know, they, they see our loving example and they get frustrated away, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you do a mixture of in-person and Zoom and that depends upon the group. The groups vary. Uh, some of them are in person. Some of them have a hybrid where they'll do a Zoom, but they're just like this. And then others are fully virtual. Ours in Roswell has been fully virtual since COVID. And we've been trying to find another office because we do like them to be inside of the work. Like part of the mission of Grace at Work is to sh to be in the market as Christian. It's not to go be in a church. It's not to be like in a, you know, in a, a private setting or at the back of a Dunkin' Donuts. It is literally like, hey, we're in a conference room, in a business, having a Bible study out in the open. Uh, when we did it, HMW was really interesting, but it's a great testimony because HMW is a very Jewish firm. <clears throat> and we were having this Christian Bible study in the midst of these partners that were all Jewish. And uh, Susan O'Dwyer, her whole ministry was to Jewish people. That's really what she focused on personally. And she she boldly walked that walk by having that minister, that study in her place of work in a Jewish firm. But that was like, the most perfect example I can ever think of. I was like, I couldn't think of any old. Yes, sir. Brother Salter, I'm in a Bible study with five other guys, and we've been meeting for 18, almost 19 years. And our current study is First and Second Peter and Jude. And there's mm -hmm. ever so Yesterday we did chapter two Peter and chapter next Wednesday quote chapter three. Thought it was just ironic getting here at the same time, the same place. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you as I was uh as I was praying over this, what I was going to do, I have a podcast catcher, and this is a little bit hokey, but I actually got a notification for a sermon that I listened to just off the cuff, and it was a sermon from like a month. It wasn't like the newest one, and it was over for, so that's how I felt. So that stuff just happens. We're going to take a few minutes yeah. for table time. I'll cut the, the Zoom guys in the breakout yeah, room. Thank you, guys. And then we'll ask, ask Sean to come up here and pray at the end if you're willing to yeah, do that. Sure. Right, sure. <laughs> Um, so take a minute around your table. When uh, last time we were here, 
Um, we were talking about lifelong friends, and I challenged people a little bit, you know, reconnect with somebody who maybe you had mis, you know, misplaced because of busyness is my biggest four-letter word, busy. It's a four-letter word in my house. Um, and guess what? This time last week, we're all probably figuring out how to put on that turkey. My dad and I ended up putting a 24-pound turkey into a turkey roaster that was really built for 22 pounds and so but we got to do it together and that's what was that that's what was important so take a few minutes and share prayer concerns and celebrations at your table and uh, then we'll we'll wrap up here in about about five or six minutes I'm going to put you guys in the breakout room, okay? No, I know. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah, sure. Sorry to call you out. I didn't know. You're such a good time. You said I should give you all the time about 
You should. You should. You should. Actually, we didn't we didn't talk about that. Uh, we, we mostly talked about uh, our Thanksgivings and uh, uh, the experiences that we had with with them. Uh, not sure what's going on in Zoom right now, but uh, that, that's really all, all we did. We talked about uh, each of our experiences uh, in Thanksgiving with our family. Well, I have a friend who wrote a poem about their Thanksgiving. It was. Long drive, big eats, long drive. <laughs> In six words. In six words. Six word poem. Um, so uh, I told someone uh, when they arrived today, and we were just ca catching up a little bit, that I would ask everybody, and we'll do a little bit of a competition here, for the number of people that you had at your Thanksgiving table. Now, I just want to be clear. I'm talking about last Thursday, not some Thanksgiving that you remember from way back when. And all right, Steve. I mean, we do Thanksgiving on Friday as a tradition. Okay, so we'll give you an exception to Steve for Friday. <laughs> we had 26. Woo! Two were missing. Ethan and Emily had their baby the day before. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, Grandpa. Great Grandpa. Great Grandpa. That's right. Wow. We only had 19. 19. I got 19. I got 26. Anybody at the back table would like to go higher? 19 back at this back table. We got 26 so far. 26 going once. No, it's a different meaning. Um, back table, go ahead. We had 20. 20 was only two generations. Yeah, parents and then the 11 kids. Wow. <laughs> wow. We wait, we wait a few years. There'll be a lot more. That's how that works. <laughs> yeah, Bo, you got three. Three, two, 26. 11. 11. I got one, Eric. And a three-month-old. Yes, sir. I My wife is from a large family. We had roughly 25 to 30, give or take, eat for four days in a row. It's a... Uh, oh. Oh, it was hard to tell because it kept fluctuating. There, there's some quote about family, friends, and fish in three days. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I'll, we'll do quick prayer concerns then. Uh, uh, prayer concern or celebration from the front table. Glenn's starting a great new job and getting a raise. Raise. New, new, new job and, and a raise. Yeah. Congratulations. Kevin, how about your table? Yeah, a couple items. So it was just an awesome message, right? Oh, we you, really man. appreciated that. It's so meaningful. I think in particular, you know, Dave and I really talked about, you know, being present with family and especially, you know, having children. And so that was one item just to comment to. And, and over here, post-retirement, that they're meaningful. So that's just something to keep in mind. Wonderful, Amen. wonderful. Back table? All right. Steve, how about your table? Well, back to uh, getting in touch with older friends and contact 
Dave's story was the most interesting. Let him tell that. I went through pilot training in the Air Force in 1990. We graduated on November 30th, 1960. I have been the database manager of our group since 73. I've sent out a happy first anniversary of 170 classmates. Wow. Day before yesterday, I've got about 30 replies. But, but anyway, we touched base with guys that we've known since 19. I guess over 100 of us went to the airline. The airline. It's been fun staying together all these years. Reconnecting with pilots from from 61 years ago when you were sort of, that's your basic flying. 59 and 60. Wow, that's incredible. The, the airline business in the world has changed a lot since then. Yes, yes. Remember what a propeller was? A propeller, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to get one for Christmas. Greg, how about your table? Oh, we looked at Your ailments? All right. Well, we hope everybody that's there this month will be back next month, right? That your ailments will not catch up with you. Steve, how about you and Roger? Uh, I don't know. I'm good. I'm just glad Steve came back. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually do kitchen work as you guys are talking to. So. Well, I'll, I'll take that as a segue to thank Steve and Bobby for uh, another amazing breakfast. Thank you, gentlemen. A hiccup problem. Someone sneak up behind him and scare him. Did anybody get a pecan pie for Thanksgiving? Yeah. I think I think Bobby made of pecan pies. Yes. So if you enjoyed that pecan pie, uh, you might shake the hand of the guy who hopefully uh, enjoyed making it for you. Um, I did forget an announcement. Jason Scott. Uh, I, I, I kind of hoped he'd be here this morning, but I didn't tie the knot very well. Uh, someone pointed out to me was it Barney that the the campus is beautifully lit right now. And I think part of the reason, I don't know this, but you know, I like to start rumors, see what happens. Um, I think part of what we've done to light up the Dodd is to get everybody aware that we're having a craft uh, a gift show. Starts tonight. It starts tonight. Now on your table, I put one of these because I know how well the guys share. Um, I put one of these, but it's today starting at five, tomorrow morning starting at 9.30. And then Saturday starting at 9.30. And it's done by 3 o'clock on Saturday. If you happen to be driving through Roswell at about 3 o'clock on Saturday, I know we could use your help helping reset the dot. Um, it's in the dot. That you remember last year, we were very concerned about COVID and we did it out in the parking lot. And it was windy and there was just, it was just not a good time to do it outdoors. So this year we're able to do it indoors. So if you're not done with your Christmas shopping, and as I look around this room, I can imagine maybe some of us haven't started. If you're not done with your Christmas shopping, you might come and take a look and support our youth. The money for this goes to, uh, goes to the youth uh, trips, including this summer. I think we're planning to head back to uh, Kenya. So um, feel free to come and support It's I think it's mostly local vendors um, and the money that is raised from this goes to help the youth offset the price of going on a, um, going on trips. And if you've been on one of those trips or if you've had a family member going on one of those trips, they're life changing because you get out of, uh, you get out of your normal and you find out about somebody else's normal in a way that can be profound. Yes, sir. Chris. Eric, on that note, and as a proud father, can you give us a two-minute update on Mary and your daughter in Chile? Yes, yes, yes. So my daughter is, uh, I, I, I will characterize it as doing youth ministry in um, Viña del Mar, which is just a little uh, west of Santiago, Chile. And uh, she left 
she's trying to leave all summer, but they finally opened up the borders and she made her way there in early October and then made a sneaky trip, uh, 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 a secret trip home um, about three weeks ago for a wedding and she was the uh, bridesmaid in. And so she is doing well. What has happened that she's had to get used to there is that they have earthquakes, about like we have thunderstorms. <laughs> and um, the first couple really shook her up, pun intended. And uh, now she can sleep through a 5.0 earthquake. <laughs> now it's 5.0 down about 10 miles, but that part of the, that's on the edge of the ring of fire um, on the Pacific Ocean. So she's doing well, and mom and dad got to have her over the weekend. And so um, every time we take her to the airport, it's it's either a little easier or a little harder. I don't know, but thanks for asking. Um, she got to celebrate Thanksgiving in a non, you know, English-speaking, non-American country. And so it gave her a great chance to share some of our tradition. And um, they, uh, she shared my mom's recipe of sweet potato casserole. So if you'd like a sweet potato casserole recipe, I happen to have one in. Well, gentlemen, thank you for being here this morning. Kate, I'm going to ask you to come pray us out. Yeah, Lord, uh, thank you for all the this the opportunity to be here this, together this morning. Thank you for the, the gentleman that got up extra early before us. I pray during this holiday season that we all draw closer to you, closer to family, and uh, closer to our brothers and sisters in Christ around us, and help us to be your light in the world and to allow you to work through us. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen.